Hey, yo, Izzy. Hey, man, we should come off the piano for a minute, man, and bust this crazy shit. Woke up quick at about noon. Just thought that I had to do the podcast soon. I gotta get drunk before the day begins. It's that time, Wave. It's that time, Gray. Episode 8. Episode 8, baby, we ready. We in the lab. Easy. Bringing it in with a little easy. Wavy and gray. Episode 8. Wavy and gray, baby. Wavy and gray. Here we go. Let's get it kicked off. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Wavy. And I'm gray. And you are listening to the Wavy and gray podcast. So let's go ahead and get things started. I'm going to go ahead on this Halloween Eve and oh, run down right. the Wavy and Gray podcast rundown Halloween edition. Halloween edition. That's right. Tomorrow is the big night. My kids are pumped. Kids are pumped. My kids are pumped. Got the costumes already. Ready to go get some candy and make sure the kids are safe, but having a lot of fun tomorrow. Dude, let me tell you something about Halloween coming up in the Simmons household, Wave. My kids have already dictated to me that I am not allowed to eat any of their candy. They have literally said to my wife, shout out to Annie, that um, they need to hide their candy and she needs to make sure that dad doesn't raid their Halloween bags. Shout out Andy. <laughs> Shout out Annie for looking out for the kids, That's right? right? Yeah. Hiding the candy from dad. <laughs> How about that? My kids know if I check candy, I take what I want. Yeah. And then you get the leftovers, right? And I may reserve some for later when you go to school. A little side stash. A little side stash. But no, man. With me, my mom, she has a tradition, does... Um, you know, she has a tradition where she invites all of our family over with the kids. We all get together. The the adults pass out candy and then we walk our kids around the neighborhood to trick or treat. Yeah. So that's our tradition. Ready to go. Uh, my one year old will be a lion. Okay. And then my five year old is actually Chase from Paw Patrol. Oh, Paw Patrol. Yeah. Paw Patrol was big in my house. Yeah, so so again, let's hit the rundown. Love the Halloween stuff. Um, it's a, a sad sad day in the comedy and entertainment industry. Uh, yesterday, John Weatherspoon passed away, so we'll talk about that and some do some remembering of John Weatherspoon. Uh, John Weatherspoon, I apologize. And then uh, right after that, we're gonna roll into Rainer's Corner. Rainer's Corner is a Halloween theme based question. Okay. In your opinion, what is the most brutal way to die? Whoa, Raina. So, we're right. uh, keeping with the Halloween theme, That's obviously. Spooky. We got to make that right. And then we roll into our hot topic, guys. And this today hot topic, college athletes getting compensation for image and likeliness. So, getting paid for the sales, jersey sales, all of the things that the all the things the big colleges have been making all the money off of, uh, kind of passing that down to some of these athletes. We want to talk about it. And then we're going to recap the World Series. We've had game one through six already, and we need a game seven to decide it. So we're going to run that down and let you guys know who we think will be taking game seven tonight after the World Series. Hop into our top five. I think this is going to be an interesting part. This is going to be an interesting segment. A lot of shifts, a lot of changes. I know you're ready, Gray. I'm ready here with my list. And then we're going to discuss who won last week's Pick'em 
and who's going to win next week's Pick'em and make our selection. And we're going to wrap everything up with our ASU Arizona local spotlight segment where we highlight ASU, highlight the Suns. Yeah, Suns are making their way in it. Suns are making a run. Suns are playing great. And uh, we're going to kind of just close out that that way. Good, good show on tap. Thank you for doing the rundown uh, on this spooky Halloween edition of the Wavy and Gray podcast. And um, it looks like, according to the agenda, we're kicking off with uh, Raina's Corner today. Yeah, we're going to kick off with Raina's Corner. But first, again, I want right. to recognize yeah. um, and do some remembering. Everybody knows him as Pops. You know, he was a, a legendary comedian, um, you know, a great actor and a, a father figure to a lot of people that grew up watching, you know, for instance, Friday, you know, Boomerang, some of these different movies where, you know, he was that male role model or influence in the movies. Um, and really, honestly, guys, I just want to play a few clips of the greatness of John Weatherspoon for you guys. That makes you a man. When I was growing up, this was all the protection we needed. You win some, you lose some. But you live, you live to fight another day. And you think you're a man with that gun in your hand, don't you? Man, Friday, what a great movie Friday was. And he was outstanding. <laughs> don't nobody go in the bathroom for about 35, 45 minutes. Somebody open the window. That was one of his trademarks. Somebody open the don't, window. Don't, don't go in the bathroom about 45, 35, 45 minutes. All right, y'all. So, and one more memorable one with Boomerang. This was a great sequence. Take a listen. Now, Marcus, I hear a girl talking. Got your pussy. Why don't you reverse it? Don't be pussy whip. Whip that pussy. Look. Bang, 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 bang. Bang, 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 man. Uh, love some of those memorable moments. Um, you know, I want to shout out just a, a few roles that like, you know, me personally, I got to see him in and uh, a lot of people probably saw him in. Um, you know, he was a, vo a voice on Boondocks, the TV show. Uh, he was in Hollywood Shuffle. I got the hookup. He was the pops on the Wayne's Brothers show. Again, Friday and Boomerang, uh, Boomerang, just some of those top movies and shows that I remember him from. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and his role in Friday, to me, is, is one of the most memorable, greatest roles uh, that anybody's ever played. Uh, just the impact that he had on that film, um, you know, obviously playing uh, Cube's dad. And um, I thought he was the funniest character I've ever seen. And for me, he was one of the highlights in, in what is one of the greatest uh, comedies uh, that I've ever watched in my life. Yeah. And, you know, I find it and I love John Withers because, you know, with Friday being it was Q's like first screenwrite. Right. It was his first movie. And so hearing the way that they all talk about like, oh, everybody got paid five hundred dollars or, you know, like just hearing the budget, the different payments and how big that movie turned right. out to be. But it's just funny watching John Witherspoon talk about that. Um, and, you know, it's good to remember him. Um, John Witherspoon, born January 27, 1942, and uh, passed away again yesterday, October 29, 2019, at the age of 77. 
Um, and I, I just want for the comedy and entertainment world to, if we could just take a moment of silence on the Wavy and Great podcast before we continue on with our Reina's Corner. So quick moment of silence for you, John Witherspoon. It is time for Raina's Corner Halloween Edition. Excited for this one. What uh, what does she have for us today, Wade? Raina's got a question. And Raina's Corner today, again, with the Halloween theme. In your opinion, what is the most brutal way to die? Dang, that's heavy. That, that is heavy. heavy. That makes you... Like, we were talking off air, and... It makes you really think, how crazy are you? How crazy can you be to imagine the most brutal way to die? Right, right. But you're up first, Greg. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Take a stab at it. Take right. a stab at it. <laughs> take, take a stab. All right, Raina, here's what I got for you today. Most brutal way to die, and, and again, coming out of the Halloween theme, right? So for me, I mentioned in the past I'm from Colorado. And with that, there's a lot of outdoors activities, be it camping, be it hiking, be it kayaking, whatever it is, outdoor in the wilderness, right? And for those of you that don't know, my wife, Annie, um, she's not a big- Shout camper. out to Annie. Shout out to Annie. She's not a big camper. And the reason that she doesn't like going camping a lot is because of her fear of like bears or mountain lions, or something like that, which, which is valid in some, in, in some cases, right? So just think about the most brutal way to die, I think it would be a bear attack, right? Like getting eaten alive or attacked by a grizzly bear, or a brown bear, or a black bear, or what happens in Colorado quite often, more than, um, more than you would like, is um, you know, getting attacked by a mountain lion. Right, you hear about kids being taken away by a mountain lion because mountain lions track you for like over a mile, right? And then they spring out of nowhere and attack. So being attacked by a bear, a mountain lion, or like a rattlesnake bite to where you you're so deep into a hike or something that you can't get back to medical help or something like that, and then you're just kind of left out in the desert or in the woods. I don't mean to laugh, but like that's intense, right? That's intense. Um, so for me, it would be. Death by like animal attack or something like that. Death by animal attack. Okay, very, very adventurous. Uh, I love it with the Colorado background. Me, I'm not from Colorado, but we got rattlesnakes. You know, we got some ways to die out here in Arizona. Uh, but for me, guys, when I think about the most brutal way to die, you know, we, we got hiking out here. We got mountains. You could fall off a mountain. Yeah. You know, you could fall to your death. But I don't think that's the most brutal. I don't think any death that's quick. Being eaten alive, though, is intense. I don't think any death that's quick, though, is brutal. The torture. Okay. Death, right? So most of our viewers may know the, the cartel. 
The cartel yeah. records videos murdering people and puts it on the internet. Um, Anthony and, Lou showed me some of those. And and they have crazy, crazy torture techniques or different ways that they do this. But um, I think the most brutal way to be killed is torture. Yeah. Torture, torture, torture. One, either having your limbs cut off limb by limb, right? Or thank you for this, Raina. Having your yeah, having your neck or head cut off, like sawed off essentially, not just one swipe and oh cut, gosh. but having the body taken piece by piece while you're sitting there screaming in pain, just torturous, right? Just oh, dying. I think that is the most brutal way to go. Yeah. Because in ex- like that would dying, be brutal. dying in a in a crash where you you hit your head and you're dead instantly, uh getting shot and dying instantly, um any instant kill, I don't think that there's any brutality there. I don't think it's super brutal. Um but I do think that torture, any form of torture that leads to your death I think is absolutely the most brutal way to go. Thank, thank you for this one, Reina. Yeah, the uh, the Halloween death torture, uh, Reina's Corner edition. Yes, and mm-hmm. and now I'm gonna have nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I have one more bonus. All right, toss it in. One more bonus. I'm scared of snakes. I have a fear of snakes. Right, and watching Anaconda. When I watch the Anaconda movies. I just like have a fear for snakes. So I've always thought that another brutal way of dying would be getting killed by a snake. And, and that's what I was saying. Maybe hiking or something, getting bit Correct. Snake. Yeah, but not being bit. What I mean is a python or like a big anaconda, the biggest snake in the world, wraps you up, mm-hmm. crushes your bones, and then like swallows you whole. That would that be That type of... I that think something rough. like that could as well be considered very brutal. It would be. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> it sure isn't. So <laughs> so uh, that, man, that's, that's a crazy Raina's Corner. It is. But I like how it ties into Halloween and uh, the, the idea of you know, ghosts and, um, and what dark kind of Halloween, yes, themed. For sure. Right. And I, I, shout out to some of the questions that didn't make this yeah, show. There were some good um, ones. Raina, Raina sent another question that was, in a zombie apocalypse, <laughs> what's your weapon of choice? Mm-hmm. I got to go with like some kind of flame-throwing, bullet-firing, Mad Max-type device. Yeah, me, I got to go with something that's good in close quarters and can right. also shoot. So I'm going to need like a shotgun with a with a saw blade yeah. on it. I'm going to mm-hmm. need something crazy. But also, oh, you know what? No, Give me some grenades I need too. bullets. I need bullets. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need a lot of bullets. I watched Zombieland 2. That looks pretty Double good. Double tap. Man, I love it. That's but, with my guy Woody Harrelson, right? But there's a new breed of, there's a new breed of zombie and them just shooting it in the head ain't gonna do it anymore. So I want to see that movie. It looks pretty funny. Yeah, man, it's a it's a great movie. I would absolutely go and watch that movie. But that's yeah, man, that's gonna wrap it up for our Halloween. Thank you, Raina. of Raina's Corner. Love it. Um, <laughs> I love it. I freaking love it. And um, with that, we're gonna wrap this segment up, and we're gonna roll right on in to our hot topic today. Yeah. Hot topic. Uh, NCAA is in the news. 
um, along with other things, but we chose this subject here, the NCAA player compensation subject, and uh, that is this week's hot topic. Um, Wave, let me just open it up to you real quick. What is your take on compensating collegiate athletes um, for their image and likenesses, which is kind of like the head subject here, but just paying them, um, compensating them for all of the revenue that they drive into their respected universities um, by their performance in sports? So I absolutely think that players need to be compensated. Now, there's there's a lot of people out there that'll say, oh, well, they got a full ride scholarship through college. They got this. They got that. They got all these opportunities. Right. But think about the superstar that is giving his all on the college football field, making so much money for these colleges. And he has a life altering injury. And now he can never make it to the NFL to get that compensation or to, you know, grow his brand like he was expected to. The college just soaked up every bit of the brand he had and they took full advantage of it. And now he's hurt. Guess what? All right. Bye bye scholarship. Now you can't go to school. You can't do this. You can't do a lot of things that your physical abilities got you to this point to do. And so for me, I think that these players need to be compensated because they're there are coaches that are signing multi-million dollar deals. Like in college, college football coaches signing multi-million dollar deals. That is ridiculous. Yeah, I think Saban's getting paid like seven million or something ridiculous. a year. Ridiculous. And there's no money to give these players, right? No money to give these players. Too many times you hear the story, boosters giving money, right. boosters giving money. Yes, because these kids are living a celebrity type lifestyle. These guys are being featured when ESPN is doing a feature story or anything. Like the HBO ESPN, 24-7. The HBO 24-7. You know these players' names. The NCAA football game, right? Um, anything, jersey sales, all of this stuff that is going directly to the colleges. These students are not getting uh, compensated for it, and I absolutely think it's time to change that. Compensate these students so that way, if they do so happen to have some form of injury, they have some type of compensation that they could fall back on to now continue their education or have something in place so they can continue their education and get everything that they sought out to get. All right, so let me ask you this. Is their scholarship and their uh, room and housing compensation enough? I absolutely do not think it's compensation enough. One, college is... Oh my goodness! We, I don't even want to get started on how expensive college is. So they have and it's the uh, scholarship for that. The scholarship is to take care of that portion of it. Now, what they want to make it out to be is, hey, what do we got to pay these players for? They come to our school. We've given them a full ride. We're getting them through school. We're doing this, doing that. But really, all they're doing is they're bigging these people up and they're building their brand in college so early. Once they get to the NFL. If they get to the NFL, the college has taken so much out of them. Think about, and I want to flash back to this because I saw Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez had advanced stages of CTE. Now, remember, Aaron Hernandez was not in the league for that many years. So you think of all those contact hits that he took in college 
fighting every single day for his college, doing this, doing that, made it to the pros, commits suicide in prison. Obviously, he has a, a, a tore up story. We know how that went. But now knowing he had advanced stages of CTE, come on. Like, you, you can't tell me. Did anything that he did, was it because of the CTE? Now you could ask yourself that. So Aaron Hernandez is batshit crazy, but advanced stages of CTE. Okay, so here, so back in September, like talking about compensation for these guys, and of course California is the one to kind of spearhead like this this movement, this change, and this mindset that college athletes should be compensated. Um, you know, for obviously you know the work that they do on the uh, the sports field, court, whatever. Um, it was back in September, uh, California State Senator Nancy Skinner, she actually signed a bill that will prohibit schools from punishing athletes from accepting endorsements. Um, and this is going to start in 2023, right? So we're moving in that direction. Now, I agree. I think that athletes should be compensated. I'm on the side of the coin here that I think that they should be paid for their services, right? Because they do drive so much money into those universities, which do allow for other things outside of sports um, for the, you know, that funnels money into other parts of uh, the universities. Um, so California is moving that direction thanks to uh, their Senator Nancy Skinner. Um, and this past week, uh, the decision makers of the NCAA uh, voted that they want to start moving that direction too. They're, they want to open up um, the ability for players to profit from their image and likeness, right? And that's kind of where they're drawing the line. Um, but they did create a board um, that's directed, there's three separate divisions here in this board that they created, and they want to update rules to allow for players to be compensated for their image and likeness, but they want to differentiate between pro and collegiate um, representation in that. Um, so where are they going to draw the line? What are they going to allow? Would there be a monthly stipend involved? Um, would they be allowed to sell game jerseys? Would they be allowed to sell balls? I don't know if the NCAA is going to go that far, but that whole image and likeness part is interesting, right? So for like a video game, which creates millions and millions and millions of dollars and people are purchasing college basketball games, college football games, so on and so forth, would the players' names be associated in those games? And if so, what kind of revenue for their image and likeness in in video games would they be compensated on? Now, you remember, in these video games, it just had the players' number. Right. It never had the players' names. Right. But that was their solution to, oh, well, it doesn't have the players' name. We're not profiting off of the player. But come on now. Be, let's be real. Everybody know when Adrian Peterson was in college, you knew what college he went to. You knew what jersey number he wore. So that game showing that number 28, you knew who it was. You you could, you could didn't need his name behind it. So that was just some BS that they came up with just to say, oh, you know, we're not profiting or off of their name. Um, I love this because too many players get in trouble for selling their game jerseys. Right selling their game jerseys like i can't sell my game jersey i can't like what is going on here and so that's why i think that this this conversation is absolutely needed but um those board of governors they're actually they want the new rules implemented by january 2021 yep so they're pushing for this to happen like fairly quickly i i think it's a strong move by the ncaa and what i was just thinking about right now wave 
is if we compensate the players, will that deter some of the illegal back-end activity? You look back at like Reggie Bush, right? They're buying houses for his mom, um, giving him tons of money, buying vehicles for the players' families. Will it cut down on some of that stuff if we start just giving the players some money? Now you don't have to have all of those back-end um, kind of shady like agreements that you hear about on the backside for the recruiting trails and stuff like that. Will they cut down if the players are allowed to earn money themselves? Or how about this? Think about it this way. Why don't we allow those boosters that are doing things like this? Why don't we just develop a fund? Like have these boosters use those funds and they can go to allocate different type of compensation for players. It doesn't have to be buying your mom a car, right. buying your mom a house. Now, a lot of these kids are in very strenuous situations. And so it is needed at times. But if you have a fund that you can now compensate these players with, their mothers can have a better life. It can start to prep them. And what I want to what I want to get at with this is when I talk about them living celebrity lifestyles, they're doing interviews after the game, right? There's a lot of media coverage around them. They're asked to do all of this stuff. And so they're treated like like local players. Yeah, I'm going to events for the college. There's a lot of stuff they're doing. And I think about child support for a celebrity's kid. The lifestyle you're living as a celebrity, so you are deemed to pay this amount of money for the child because they need to live a similar lifestyle. So these college players are living these celebrity-like lifestyles. They need to be compensated for it, just like NFL players are. I agree. And and I'm glad to see the NCAA starting to kind of open up their minds around it and uh, start thinking about solutions, setting up um, these different divisions and committees um, that are supposed to come up with a resolution and hopefully get to a point where they are compensated, at least for their image and likeness, and get the ball rolling and, and kind of see where it takes off from there. But uh, I'm, I'm all for players being compensated. I'm all for players' compensation. Any last words, my man, on this hot topic? Uh, let's give ASU a lot of money to compensate a lot of players in the future. Absolutely. <laughs> give the kids the money. When you go out there recruiting them, telling yeah. their parents you're going to make their lives so much better, this and that, let's start to back it up. Give the kids the money. I absolutely think that these college players should be compensated for their efforts. Yep. Wavy and Gray podcast is uh, all for player compensation in college. Wavy and Gray supports player compensation. You guys let us know. You can reach out to us on our website, at Facebook, Wavy and Gray podcast, or you can go onto our Instagram, which is Wavy Gray podcast, or Snapchat, Wavy Gray podcast. We also have a Twitter, Wavy Gray Podcast. Even feel free to send us an email. That email is wavygraypodcast at gmail.com. Any, many different ways you guys can communicate with us. Tell us how you guys feel about this great hot topic here. And uh, maybe what you guys want to see as a hot topic in the future. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into our first break. We're going to let you guys hear from our sponsor here at Anchor. Thank you guys for listening so far. We will be back in a minute. That's how you respond to what happened. What a night for big number 37. 
when they needed him the most. Well, he's never been better. The road team has won each of the first six games. A curly W's in the books. The place will be rocking tomorrow. We've won a ton of games in this ballpark. This series has been very weird. If I'd have told you the series was going to be 3-3, going to a game seven, I don't think there's a person in the building that would have assumed that all road games or road teams were going to win. We just got to make sure that last one's not the same. You know, I'm just really proud of the boys and the way they came out and played today. I mean, that's uh, that's all I want to say about, about that. You know, we got another game tomorrow, and um, let's come back tomorrow and win again. Winner take all, one game. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a blast. That's why we game, game seven. Um, game, game seven. seven. Nothing like a game seven. I don't care what sports you're in, baseball, you know, any tournament format. Nothing like that final game, and we got a good one. We got a good one tonight. Oh, I can't believe it. This has been a hell of a World Series. And the crazy thing about it is every single road team has, or every single team has won on the road. Every single game the road team has right. won. Yeah, thank you for saying it more eloquently yeah. than I did. Well, and, and you jump right out there, right? Game one, game two, Houston home field advantage. The Nats jump out, take those two games, and then they go home Houston takes those three, three consecutive games, shifts it back for game six, back in Houston, and wouldn't you know it, those Nats showed up and forced a game seven right back in Houston. Dude, absolutely, and Strasburg did what uh, he needed to do. He was absolutely brilliant last night, going eight innings pitch, only five hits, two runs, and seven Ks. And the thing about Strasburg is not only was he amazing last night, but Strasburg has been amazing throughout the entire playoffs. He is 5-0 and in the playoffs so far. He's doing what he needs to do. He's carrying his nationals. And uh, last night was another example of how dominating Steven Strasburg has been for the nationals. And uh, you know, on his arm, uh, they push a game seven. And it's going to be absolutely exciting tonight. Absolutely. Adam Eaton likes when Steven Strasburg pitches with a little anger in yeah. it. He said he pitches better when he's angry. And, and, and yeah. What better way? What better way to pitch other than angry? He was dealing last night, but tonight we have a couple of questions, Greg. There are a few questions. One, the biggest question I believe, Max Scherzer. Yeah, Max Scherzer, man. He's he is officially going tonight. Max Scherzer there were reports that two days ago he couldn't get up out of bed. Right. Needed help out of bed. Gets the cortisone shot yesterday. He's suiting up, pitching tonight. How effective will Max Scherzer be tonight? Well, you were talking about it before when we were kind of getting our notes together for the show. You turned to me and you literally said, do you think that they've been kind of BSing about Max Scherzer's injury just so they could keep him for Game 7? And like Strasburg... Scherzer is unscathed in the playoffs. He's 3-0 with a 2.16 ERA this postseason. Um, so was he as injured and hurt as, uh, as, as they're letting on? Or were they just trying to find a way to hold him back for Game 7? Uh, but in my opinion, that's the man that you want on the mound uh, playing Game 7 of a World Series on the road. Uh, Max Bulldog Scherzer will get the ball. Absolutely. And, and look at it this way. The man he'll face on the other side, Zach Granke. Now, not their strongest pitcher, 
but an effective pitcher for them in the regular season after the transition, after he was brought over from the D-backs. Now, Zach Greinke hasn't had the best postseason. He's had some decent games, though, uh, against the Nats, right? So will Zach Greinke be able to hold them off? And how long does Zach Greinke last? Greinke's 0-2 with a 5.30 ERA uh, in the postseason. And uh, in Game 3 in the World Series... Uh, he gave up two runs, but he gave up 10 hits and seven walks in that outing. Um, I, I don't know. I feel a lot better if I'm the Nationals than I am the Astros with the man that they have on bump. Uh, but, you know, Granke's tested, right? He, he's a savvy veteran, and uh, maybe tonight he digs in, finds another gear, settles in, and uh, shows some of his uh, Cy, Young, um, Cy Young capabilities that he has. Uh, but I, right now, if I'm the Nationals, I like the man that I have going tonight uh, more than the Astros do. Uh, it should be an absolutely incredible Game 7. And um, I, I, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm going for the Nationals. I'm taking the Nationals in Game whoa, 7. Whoa, 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 whoa. Just jumping over the bridge <laughs> and already making the picks. I have one more dang right, question us, for you. Us. I had another question for you. What's the question, my man? Will Cole pitch? I mean, who? I say you empty the cupboard. In a game seven, you just empty the cupboard. You, it, it's it's the last game. You cannot, you cannot second guess anything because tonight's the final night. You you throw anybody that you possibly can if you feel like that that individual is going to give you a chance to win a World Series championship. Think about this sequence. Think about this sequence. You got Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke makes it five six innings for you. You bring Cole in in the sixth. You bring Cole in in the seventh. You bring Verlander in in the eighth. And then go to your bullpen. Go to your closer to shut it out. That could be a possible scenario. Absolutely it could be. Probably will be. And it's and it's a realistic scenario. Because you're pitching off a one day's rest. You're pitching off a two day's rest. But I only need an inning. That's it. I need two batters out. Yep. I need three batters out. I need one batter out. I just need six pitches. Give me six pitches, right? Can you get out here and deliver? And we asked the same question on the other side. Strasburg. Do we see Strasburg go in any? Yeah, they asked him yesterday if he'd be able to. And uh, he kind of dodged the question a little bit. But of course he can go. Of course he can go. If he has to go, he's going. There's no if way he doesn't go. it's just one out go. like you're calling one out, two out, whatever it is. You empty the cupboard. Everybody's on deck. It's Game Seven of the World Series. Uh, you you've got to go with your gut on this one. If you feel like you need to bring Strasburg in, um, even though we pitched yesterday, you do it. You plug anybody in if it's going to give you a chance to win. In the words of Max Scherzer after Game Six, it's Game Seven. Let's go. Let's go. Let's I love go. It. Let's go. Yep. I love it. I love that because Scherzer. Couldn't even move his right arm, right? Yeah, he was throwing yesterday. Couldn't even move his right arm. Got the cortisone shot. Got some treatment. He threw in the outfield before game six. Even started to get ready in the bullpen one point during the game. So he's warmed up, feeling good. Uh, he's ready to go. And it's game seven in hell. Who would you rather have on the mound? If you can't have Strasburg, Scherzer. Scherzer. Yep. And with that, like I mentioned before, I'm taking the Nats to win. I'm taking the Nats to win. It's going to be a historic World Series. Every single road team wins. And the Nats keep that theme going tonight in Houston. 
in my opinion. Uh, Scherzer, I think, is going to have a strong outing. I think he's going to go at least seven innings, um, and, and then they'll just start working their bullpen, bullpen from there. But I'm taking the Nats in Game 7. Who do you got, with? This is a tough one for me. This is a tough one for me for <laughs> for a number of reasons. Obviously, the New York Yankees. The Houston Astros took us out. So, as I should, I should be rooting against them, right? I should just, I just can't, I can't root for the Astros. But when I look at that Astros lineup from the top to the bottom, all I see are hits. All I see are hits. But you, you look at that team and some of those hitters that have been making those clutch hits, winning those World Series to two years ago, right? Making those clutch hits, they just haven't done it this year. So, I'm going to have to go Nats. I see the nice. Nats okay. as the Cinderella team. Yeah. You know, just like the Giants, for instance, jumping the football really quickly. When the Giants were the wild card, they got in there, went on the road every single game, made it to the Super Bowl against the undefeated Patriots. Cinderella. There's those Cinderella stories in sports that you just, you just can't explain it. You, you can't explain it. it but you see it and you got to root for it. I I'm going Nats as well. Nice. Yeah. Tune in tonight, Wave and Gray Nation. Uh should be a great game and uh, you got our picks here. Both Wave and my and myself are going with the Nats. This game starts 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh definitely tune in and uh let us know what you guys thought about the game after. Who are you guys picking? Let us know who you're picking. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll have this episode out in enough time for the game. You guys can let us know who you're picking. You guys can listen to our analysis and give us some feedback as well. And we are ready for game seven. Let's go. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, that takes us to our next segment, which is our top five. I know all of you guys have been waiting all week to hear how Wave and myself stack rank the best teams in the NFL. And uh, we got it coming up for you in just a moment. Like my man Gray said, you guys, we are now in the top five power rankings. How do we stack the top teams in the NFL? So I'll go ahead and get started. I love this tradition. Me going, you going. We'll start from the bottom. And I got to give a shout out. I got a couple people I got to shout out on this one. Uh, we, had a, we had a listener comment on our Instagram, Rob. He's a Colts fan. And then my boy Snow from Chocolate City. He's also a Colts fan. I got those Indianapolis Colts in my top five this week. They are my number five team. Shouldn't even won last week. Colts shouldn't even won last week. And my man Von Miller would have done his job, held on, got that safety. You my know Broncos would have won. The Colts did beat the Broncos, huh? <laughs> I, I got it. Sensitive subject. It's all right. Rob, Snow, I'm looking out for the Indianapolis Colts. I see you. All right. So you got the Colts in at number five, huh? I got the Colts All at right. five. I, I, I got the Seahawks. The Seahawks are in my top five. And the reason the Seahawks are in my top five, well, not only because they're six and two, 
But because, in my opinion, they may have the league MVP as their quarterback. Russell Wilson has 17 touchdowns to one interception this year. He is protecting the ball and putting the Seahawks in position to win every single game. And their defense is playing great as well. So I have the Seahawks in the five spot. And um, and I, I think the Seahawks could possibly get all the way to the NFC Championship game at this point. I see that. I really do. But Indianapolis Colts are on a three-game win streak. They've beaten the Houston Texans. They are 3-1 and one at home, 2-1 and one on the road, 2-0 and oh in that division, and currently sitting at 5-2. and two. I think the Indianapolis Colts, they're showing me a lot. They had a lot of question marks in the beginning at quarterback. No Andrew Luck. Right. But look at what Brissett has been able yeah, to he's do. Doing great. And he's done a great job making plays, like you said, spun out the Von Miller tackle. Yep. I, I got to go with the Colts. And then jumping into my number four team, guess who was back this week? Drew Brees came back. The Saints are on a bye this week. Drew Brees came, Drew Brees came back, and they were able to pull off the game against the Arizona Cardinals. The Saints are currently 7-1, and one, and they're my number four team on the top five list. All right. My number four team is your Green Bay Packers. No respect. Hey, they're in my top five this week. They're in my top five this week. But uh, your Packs, seven and one, looking great. Things, things are moving right along over there in Green Bay. And uh, they're in my fourth spot. And if you don't mind, just on this New Orleans theme, uh, I'll slide into New Orleans real quick. I have them in the three spot. Breeze is back. Saints defense is rolling. Saints are rolling. Uh, so I have New Orleans in my, in my three slot. And um, if you're noticing a theme here, I've got all NFC teams so far. AFC only represents once in my top five this week. Four out, of my, four out of my top five teams are from the NFC. NFC is looking nasty. Um, but to get back on track, Green Bay is in my fourth slot. Green Bay in the fourth slot. You called it the Saints in your three spot. Yep. I got the 49ers in my three spot. And the 49ers are in my three spot. But boy, you better believe the 49ers got a test this week. And that is tomorrow night in Arizona against those Cardinals. Now, uh, granted, Cardinals are 3 and 4, right? The San Francisco 49ers are 7 and 0. Oh, but the Cardinals play those 49ers tougher than anybody and that's going to be one hell of a game this Thursday night in Arizona. But I got right now the 49ers 7 and 0. Oh. Shout out my cousin Duke over there in Sacramento rooting for those Niners. All right, so I got the Saints in my three slot. Um, I'm going to talk about San Fran in just a bit. You want to tell me who you got in your two slot? My number two slot are my Green Bay Packers. Number two. Come on. Again, right. my Green Bay Packers. Here is, again, the reason. Right now, you look at the New Orleans Saints. Let's look at that team. Let's dissect. They have a really good run game with Latavius Murray. They have Alvin Kamara coming off of injury. Alvin Kamara may not be the same. He may not be as healthy. Now, the good thing is they have that run game, and then they have Drew Brees, Michael Thomas. They got all those wide receivers, big-name guys. Uh, but I'm still worried about that Saints defense. On that other side of the ball, I'm still worried about them. They've been a bend-but-don't-break defense ever since Drew Brees has been leading those teams to win. Um, and I just see the Green Bay Packers as a better overall team. And again... 
The Saints are 1-0 in their division. They've only had one divisional game. The Green Bay Packers, 3-0. 3-0. The division games are some of the most crucial because those are the games that will test that will because those are the teams that know you the best. And Green Bay has beaten all three of the teams in our division so far as we roll into the second half of the season. Dude, I love that division talk you just brought up. And it, what a good thing for the Saints, though, right? Haven't had a ton of division play while Breeze was on the shelf. So Breeze is coming back, to your point, at a great time when they start hammering out that in-division schedule. Uh, love that point. Um, number two, you said you have Green Bay. I got New England. I have undefeated teams at the top. Uh, so I got New England, who's sitting at 8-0 and um, in the second spot. And the reason that I have them in the two spot and not the one spot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show my hand here a little bit because um, I do have those San Francisco 49ers in the number one spot. And, and the reason that I have them leapfrogging what has been my consistent number one team is the New England Patriots. But the reason I have San Fran above them is because San Fran's strength of schedule has been more difficult than New England's schedule up to this point. And so for that purpose, having two undefeated teams up top, I'm giving the nod to San Francisco. Um, a lot of great things going on there. And uh, both teams undefeated, but San Fran with a tougher schedule to this point. I'm putting in the number one spot. And a couple highlights here. I want to highlight Nick Bosa, okay? I want to highlight the San Francisco 49ers defense. I want to highlight the San Francisco 49ers rushing attack. Uh, but getting back to Bosa, did you know he has seven sacks? already this season. Bosa is a beast and definitely a leader for rookie of the year. Yeah, absolutely, man. He has a sack. He's averaging a sack per game. Um, but I also want to kind of go back to the conversation that you had. San Francisco's got a test this week traveling out here to the desert to play the Cardinals. And uh, I was mentioning this stat to you beforehand. This could be the team that could clip the 49ers. As the Cardinals have beaten the San Francisco 49ers eight straight games. They seem to be the 49ers kryptonite. And we'll see how it holds up out here in Glendale, out here in the desert. Um, but I'm really looking forward to that game. Uh, both New England and San Francisco, their schedule is ramping up, becoming more difficult. But uh, as it sits right now for me, New England is the second best team in the NFL. San Francisco, in my opinion, is the best team in the NFL at this point. I love it, Gray. I love your, I love the breakdown. I really do. I do challenge you, though, on the execution here. I I love the Nick Bosa with all the sacks. Love highlighting that defense. Uh, the Niners have a great run game. Absolutely love, love, love all of it. But that strength of schedule is laughable. They played... Both of them. They Both played, of them have had weak schedules up to this point. They played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Cincinnati Bengals, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, the LA Rams, which could potentially have been the only considerably difficult game for them. The Washington Redskins and the Carolina Panthers. They just whooped the Carolina Panthers, put up 51 points. But... The interesting thing on all of these teams here, as I as I look at the schedules, as I look at these teams' records, right. Tampa's two and five, you know, and uh, 
you got Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers are four and three. They're the, the closest team, the team with the most wins that they've beaten. The LA Rams even. And I'm surprised by that. Five four and, and three. three. The, yeah, the LA Rams, five and three. So potentially out of those seven games, two tough games. Yeah. The other five are give me's. Washington is one and seven. Like, you have to be kidding me. Cincinnati Bengals, 0 oh and eight. Cleveland Browns, two and five. Pittsburgh Steelers, three and four. And can you believe that's tougher? Ranked right now, that's tougher than what New England's gone through. I get it, but I can't leap them into my number one. And the reason I can't, I'm going to give you a stat here really quick. And it's a stat, you know, a lot of people may not talk about. They may not talk about this stat, but it is point differential. The number one New England Patriots are plus 189 points. Wow. That's a really good point, Wave. Plus 189 points. The next closest team... Which I can absolutely see them being in the second spot, plus 130 for the San Francisco 49ers, and then again the third team, the Green Bay Packers, with a plus 52. But good numbers uh, again. Like the defense has shown up for New England time in, time out, and that's why I just can't see New England being dethroned. Okay, so you have New England in your top spot? I got New England in my top spot. Can't dethrone them because that defense has been ferocious. Yeah. They got a big test coming up. Obviously, they Great got the game. Sunday yeah. night game. Uh, so interesting to go there. But let's jump right in. NFL okay. picks. Yeah. Our pick them. While we talk about that New England Sunday night game, let's jump in. We talked about the Cardinals and 49ers. Yeah, Halloween game. Hey, I'm going with the Cardinals here. Love it. So, so Wave's going with the cards, and like I mentioned before, the cards have seen to have the 49ers number, right? Winning eight in a row against the Niners. Uh, but for my picks this week, I'm taking the Niners. Taking the Niners. I'm going to take the Cardinals. No offense to any of my 49er faithful out there. I think you guys need a loss, and it needs to happen now. It's the best time for it to happen for you guys to keep pushing and making sure you have a successful season. I got Arizona going in there and winning at home. The next game we got, those New England Patriots. Love this game. Versus Lamar Jackson and those Baltimore Ravens. Who are you taking? I'm taking the Ravens. Taking the Ravens? I'm taking the Ravens to hang the first loss on the Patriots. This is an interesting one for me. It's in Baltimore. This is an interesting one for me because it is in Baltimore and... New England's with New England's defense playing so tough. New England's defense has shut down a lot of passing quarterbacks. Uh, Gilmore has done a great job on the corner, uh, the defensive side. But this team doesn't throw the ball. Lamar Jackson is a running quarterback. He has outrushed over nine teams in the NFL by wow. himself. So I'm going with the Ravens as well. Just because I think that Patriots oh, you're defense, going with the Ravens too. I think the Patriots defense is going to struggle with that running quarterback. So I'm going Ravens. And then uh, Monday night, we wrap up. We got the Dallas Cowboys in a divisional game against the New York Giants. I don't think it's difficult to know where I'm going here. I got Dak Prescott and the crew demolishing these New York Giants. But um, I, I will I will say this. Saquon is back. Yeah. Daniel Jones just came off of a five-touchdown game. It will be a game. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a great game, too. These This matchup right here is always a solid matchup. Uh, but I'm taking the boys as well. 
just calling it out here, the Cowboys are four and three, Giants are two and six. Uh, it is in New York, and I am going with the Dallas Cowboys. So to run down my picks, I got the Niners, I got the Ravens, and I got the Cowboys this week. And to run down mine, Wavy's got the Cards, the Ravens, and the Cowboys. And now to update, last week we had a push on two of our games. I won the Monday night, so it is now Wavy 10 Gray seven. Dang, a dang. Three, a three-game lead, if you will. A three-game lead going down into the second half. Um, this has been fun. That's our top five. Everyone, we love to hear from you. We want to know who you have in your top five. Yeah. We want to know why they're in your top five. So please, we've posted a video on our Instagram of us discussing our show. Please make sure you post and leave a comment. Wavy Gray Podcast on Instagram or Facebook and let us know how you guys stack them up. That's right. All right. It is that time. It is the time for the ASU Local Spotlight. And what I love about this section right now, Wave, is how the Phoenix Suns are making their way into our dialogue now as the NBA, NBA season's kicked off and a lot of good stuff going on with those Phoenix Suns. I love this ASU Local Spotlight and before we jump in there, we got some theme music. We want to go ahead and give a shout out to a hometown boy. He's going to lead us in, Mr. Deli Everyday with Hometown, and we'll get right to that ASU spotlight. One day it's going to be your time, your time in the city. I'm the gold mine, the gold mine. Tell my dogs that it's gold time, it's gold time. You all know what I've been through, I've been through. Seen them bang it out the window, the window. Once again, that was Delhi every day with hometown. Just a quick snippet so you guys can hear the heat that he bringing, and it leads us into our hometown segment. The ASU local spotlight. That's right. What you got for me, Greg? Talking about bringing heat in, you know who's bringing heat right now? The Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns are bringing heat. And they're actually going to kick off this week's ASU slash hometown edition, letting the Phoenix Suns lead the way. And uh, and there's a lot of good things, if you will, going on with the Phoenix Suns, currently sitting at 2-2. Two and two. But one of those wins was against... The L.A. Clippers. The L.A. Clippers, who the L.A. Lakers couldn't even That's beat. Right. That's right. Yeah, it, the, the Suns right now are showing us kind of why patience is a virtue, right? All of the draft picks they get, that they've brought in, all of the restructuring that they've done, some of the off-season acquisitions that they did this past year, and all of it is starting to show that the Phoenix Suns are rising. The sun is rising Absolutely. Um, and we talked about this when we first started speaking about the NBA, when we introduced the Phoenix Suns after Devin Booker went off and the Suns got a big win. We introduced the fact that we will be talking about the Phoenix Suns. And it's ironic. They're orange, just like your Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But uh, obviously, we all know about Devin Booker, right? And Devin Booker's starting to really do his thing. He's got his uh, his stats uh, kind of lifted up from a slow start, but he's right now averaging 22.8 points per game, 6.3 assists per game. And that's what I'm loving to see from Devin Booker right now 
is that he's starting to distribute the ball more than he did in the past. He's not just filling up the stat sheet on the field goal sides. He's, uh, like I mentioned, 6.3 assists per game, four rebounds per game. And a lot of it is, um, I think, the effect of Ricky Rubio in the lineup, right? Because Ricky... Um, is kind of a true point guard. And he leads the offense through distribution, through playmaking. And uh, and with that, that requires everyone to kind of get involved, share the ball around, keep the ball moving. And uh, it's doing good things for the Phoenix Suns. Um, and other things that are leading to the Suns' success right now is they are playing some scrappy, scrappy defense. Um, and that's how they got that win over the Clippers. Um, they were getting the Clippers into foul situation. They had players fouling out. A lot of their top dogs were sitting with four fouls. And, um, and it was from the defensive mentality that this Phoenix Suns is um, entering this new season with. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to see uh, the Suns kind of hovering around that 8, 9, 10 spot in an incredibly tough Western division. And, and, and it's kind of a team effort. And that's what I'm loving to see is the chemistry is starting to come into play. Lots of players are getting involved. And um, and I think we're going to see the, the Suns becoming more and more competitive, not only this season, but as we continue to move through uh, these next handful of years. Uh, look for your Suns to be making some real, real good noise. And they're going to be a lot of fun to follow this year. You talk about Booker passing the ball more. You talk about Rubio being a true point guard. The Suns are averaging so far, I know it's only four games down, 27.8 assists per game. Unbelievable. And that's second in the league. Yeah. Right? And then points per game, 114 points per game. That's 11th in the league. So that offense is showing up and they're distributing the ball. And um, points allowed on that defensive side, 21st at 105.3, but again, the Suns' defense has been much better. It's what kept them in the game Monday night against the Jazz. Uh, they they lost that game by one point yeah. on, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell made a game-ending clutch free throw with 0.4 seconds left in the game, uh, and it proved to be the difference in that ball game. Uh, but you got the Suns getting right back at it against those Warriors, Tonight, yeah. uh, kicking off at seven thirty. Yeah, and and, and I'm. It, it's one of those games where in the past you'd be like, man, the Suns are going to get rolled. The Suns could win this game tonight. They're playing relentless basketball. And talking about stats, they're fourth in the NBA in free throws, which means that they're attacking the basket. And this is all without Aiton in the lineup too. So a lot of good things to come. Not only that, once Aiton gets back, but as they continue to gel with him as well. For sure. And you look at this Pacific standings, you got obviously the two LA teams, three and one. You got the Phoenix Suns, two and two, Golden State, one and two, and then Sacramento, zero oh and four. So uh, Phoenix is just outside the playoff pitcher right now. Um, they are not currently in if the season were to end today. Uh, I know we'd all be devastated if it ended games four left. games in. <laughs> we'd be devastated if it ended four games in. But uh, the Suns are right there in a position they, they want to be in. Uh, winning the games that I believe they should be winning, right? And when you look at the teams that they've played so far, um, you look at the Jazz, right? A tough game. If you win that one, that's a very big and impressive win for you. Yeah. But they beat the Clippers. 
right? They lost to the Denver Nuggets. That was a good game, too. They lost to the Nuggets by one point, right. 108 to 107. So, again, you're losing these ball games, and but these are the games that are the difference between great teams and just good teams. Um, so, getting those one-point victories are going to be huge for them, but they beat the Kings and beat the Clippers so far, lost to the Jazz, lost to the Nuggets. Two very tough teams. Yeah, that's a tough uh, That's a tough first four games when you look at it that way. Um, but yeah, a lot of good stuff going on. And not only is the World Series on tonight, but you also got the uh, the Suns-Warriors. So uh, you know, choose which direction you go uh, as far as what game you're watching. But um, good stuff on tap on TV tonight. Good stuff going on with the Suns. Um, some not good stuff going on with ASU. Uh, the losses are starting to pile up over there in Tempe. Um, sitting at five and three overall, two and three um, in the Pac-12, um, and and their last game, as you know, lost to uh, UCLA. UCLA. Yes, it was in Los Angeles, but uh, the Bruins the Bruins aren't good. Uh, it ended up being a shootout, um, but it ended up being a late shootout. Most of ASU's points came in the fourth quarter, and um, they lost thirty-two to forty-two to those Bruins. Um, and, and the Bruins' rushing game was just trucking along uh josh kelly uh ran for four touchdowns against the sun devils four rushing touchdowns um for ucla that game and um asu's defense just could not stop josh kelly could not stop the bruins and um and and now asu is on the outside looking in this season yeah now it, it looks like moving forward running down the back of their season uh, kind of the one big game for them. They can still get a bowl game. They're, oh, yeah. They absolutely yeah. still get a bowl game. Uh, Rose Bowl game is a, a, a distance now. See but you, you look at it, and it starts to really come down to ASU versus U of A final game of yeah, the season. Wrap the season up. It's kind of like that's where the season is building now. So you're playing for pride at this point. You got to win these last couple games. You got to go in to that matchup against Arizona on a high note and feeling really good because you got Jaden Daniels. He's a freshman. You, you know, he's coming back next year. You know, Eno Benjamin, they're coming back next year. So you're going to have the core of this young group still returning. If you could build some momentum toward this back half here, hey, beat Oregon, beat Oregon State, get some wins under your belt. You have a lot of confidence going into next year. Yeah, they have a bye week this week, and then they come back against um, a really good USC Trojan team. It is at home here in Tempe. Uh, that's slated for November 9th, ASU versus USC. Um, that would be a great game to come back and start building up some of that momentum and that excitement around the season. And uh, and then you got those two games, uh, one against Oregon, against Oregon State, and then you wrap up against Arizona. Uh, love to see ASU get things back on track, finish up the season strong, keep that excitement rolling in Tempe. Um, but as you know, always here at Wave Great Podcast, we do support the Sun Devils. Forks up. Uh, just can't wait to see t- those guys get going again on November 9th and uh, get back on the winning side of the business. Got to get back on the winning side. Forks up, forks up, forks up. Um, man, episode eight. In the books. In the books, baby. We love it. We love to hear from our fans. So you guys, please make sure to reach out. Keep in touch with us. Take a listen. Share this episode. Put it out there. We are ready to make some more memories with you guys. So yep. uh, 
This is wavy. And this is gray. And this, you guys, is the wavy and, and gray, gray podcast. We will see you guys next week. We're going to take it back to a classic that we had planned back in the day. We're going to roll out with some Slick Rick.